HBP Studio. You're listening to the 85th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast. HBP, I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we're electrocuted by Thomas Edison. Fall off of the New York Yankees bandwagon. Make the case for Johnny Cueto. Juice up with Fernando Tatis Jr. Burn down the field of dreams and sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game in Korean, French, and English. But before we start our karaoke portion of the podcast, we always have to lubricate our voices with some beer. I just took a sip of this delicious beer called Twilight Sky. It's a Dunkelweizen ale. Forgive me any German speakers out there. I, I speak terrible German. Dunkelweizen. It's, more, it's like a brown beer. It's actually a collaboration between two good American local breweries called Cypress Brewing Company in Edison, New Jersey, and I guess their friends, Ross Brewing Company in Port Monmouth, New Jersey. Edison, New Jersey was not always called Edison, New Jersey. They actually changed their name from Raritan Township to Edison to honor the, the American inventor Thomas Edison back in 1954. That Edison guy was a real jerk. You know what? You're actually right, Peanut Gallery. Thomas Edison was a humongous jerk. He created a monopoly called the Edison Trust. And filmmaking actually started in a place called Fort Lee, New Jersey, not Hollywood, California. The Trust, which composed of people who made film, Edison's inventions, etc., they would sue anyone who tried to make an independent film. If you didn't use our products and you weren't paying us a license fee, Thomas Edison and his boys would sue you. Thomas Edison sued Universal Studios. We all know that movie production company. 284 times. I'm going to repeat that. Thomas Edison sued Universal Studios 284 times. And Thomas Edison would hire mobsters, basically Tony Soprano's grandfather, to beat up independent filmmakers. They would go to the sets, beat people up. And also, if you were like, hey, I want to go see this movie, it sounds, it looks really interesting. Back in like, I don't know, 1905, you didn't know who made the movie. You're just like, I really enjoy this silent movie. Tony Soprano's godfather, grandfather, whatever, would come in and beat you up for even watching this independent film. Long story short, the people who were doing independent films in Fort Lee, New Jersey, were like, you know what? Why are we living in New Jersey? Why are we, li- why are we getting beaten up every day by these mafiosos? Let's get the heck out of here. And everyone moved to a sleepy town in Los Angeles called Hollywood. The three of the main people that actually moved out to Hollywood, California, were the founders of Universal Studios, 20th Century Fox, and Paramount Pictures. And so if these three guys hadn't moved out from the evil clutches of Thomas Edison, movies like Born on the Fourth of July, Scarface, Fight Club, Patton, Patriot Games, Indiana Jones, Field of Dreams, Titanic, Fast and the Furious, Still Fast, Not So Furious, number 19, none of those movies would have been made. And maybe it, you know what, maybe it's not such a bad idea that Edison kept suing them (laughs) because maybe Titanic... And the 19th installment of Too Fast, Too Furious wouldn't have been made. (laughs) I'm joking. And obviously Thomas Edison also had a rivalry with Nikola Tesla. 
about what the world's electrical electrical system would be, whether it was Edison's direct current or Nikola Tesla's alternating current. So this son of a gun, Thomas Edison, I'm going to have another drink because this is horrible. He's like, you know what? I'm going to prove to the public that Nikola Tesla's electric system is dangerous. So he would hire young boys, young punks from the neighborhood to bring him stray dogs. He would pay the boys a quarter per dog, a quarter, 25 cents. And then he would make the dogs drink from water that was electrified by an alternating current, which is what, what Tesla's electricity system came on. So this got te- Nikola, Nikola, Thomas Edison was going around electrocuting stray dogs. I don't see PETA shutting down Con Edison in New York. It's Tom Edison. It's Tom Edison. Tom Thomas Edison, whatever his name is, he's a damn bastard. But going back, coming back to New York, coming back to New York, coming back to baseball. Thomas Edison was also the first person to film baseball, and he did it at a game on May twentieth, eighteen ninety eight. He filmed two amateur teams from Newark, New Jersey, and the film—it's only fifty seconds long. The film is called "The Ball Game." The Ball Game, all separate words. Look it up online. It's actually at the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. But again, like I told you, it's free online. Just, I'm telling you, go on the internet machine and type in The Ball Game Thomas Edison. And you'll watch it 50 seconds. It's a silent, I don't want to say it's a silent film. It's a silent clip. And maybe when you're online, you can illegally stream Too Fast, Too Furious for this universe. (laughs) I've actually never watched any of those films. And I'm not going to. And you know when you're watching TV? It bugs me. I do not like subtitles when you're watching a TV show or when you're watching a film. It's so distracting. Seriously, think about it. Do you watch a, a baseball game? Do you watch any other sports game with sub- subtitles on it? I don't think so. Because if you do, you get distracted and then you get on your phone, you're scrolling through social media, and then you have basically lost your part in whatever the heck you were watching. And some of you who have Con Edison accounts who unfortunately have to deal with an electrical company in New York City and the New York area. I just took another swig of this uh, Dunkelweizen ale, Twilight Sky, like to watch the New York Yankees. And that's first place in the American League East Division, New York Yankees, to you. Thank you very much. The Yankees are 10 games ahead of the Toronto Blue Jays. And this Yankees team, I've been talking about them off and on for about a month now. They lost the American League Championship Series back in 2019 and in 2017, both to the hated Houston Astros. And the Yankees also lost the 2012 American League Championship Series to the Detroit Tigers. Yes, the Tigers used to be really good. (laughs) Not anymore. The Yankees also had a bad, in the middle of the 2010s, they had bad seasons. They had ugly seasons in 2016 2015, 2014, 2013. These are not your uncle's New York Yankees. They're, they've been good recently, but in the past eight years, they really haven't been. They've just been exceedingly average. And this Yankee team is trying to make their first World Series since 2009. And yeah, that's only 13 years ago, but for the New York Yankees, that is an eternity. We're not talking about the Colorado Rockies here. We're not talking about the Arizona Diamondbacks or the New York Mets. Talking about the New York Yankees, the Yankees are expected to go to the World Series multiple times per decade. And what I don't like about this New York Yankees team is their lack of personality. This team has a personality of chewing gum, with the exception 
of Nestor Cortez, their start, one of their starting pitchers, and third baseman, Josh Donaldson. And you're going to say, Josh Donaldson, that guy's like the modern Thomas Edison. That guy's a jerk. Well, not really. He's a really, really good player, and he has a very outspoken way of saying, of thinking. And you know what? Josh Donaldson, in a different era, would be loved in New York. And yeah, he hasn't been having a good season at all with the bat. He's been a good third baseman for the Yankees, but he's not been good with the bat at all. And the last time that the Yankees were in the World Series in 2009, people were running around with the Motorola Droid, with the BlackBerry 8520, or even the iPhone 3GS. I do not remember what phone I had in 2009, but it wasn't an iPhone. Let's talk about Nestor Cortez. Nasty Nestor. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Unless you have Twitter. <laughs> Nasty Nestor. He's been having, he's been having, he ha he's having his best year. He's a 27-year-old pitcher from Hialeah, which is in Miami for the rest of the world that don't know or live in the 305. The Yankees drafted Cortez out of Hialeah High School, home of the Thoroughbreds, in 2013 in the 36th round. The 36th round doesn't even exist anymore. And I can argue, you can argue, we can argue that Cortez has actually been the best Yankees pitcher this year. His ERA plus is 145. For a pitcher, your average, an average pitcher has an ERA plus of 100. Nestor Cortez is 145. He has a team low of a 1.00 whip. Basically, he's he's averaging one runner on base per inning. This is the same team that employs Garrett Cole, the $300 million man, who's also a really good pitcher. But Nestor Cortez makes like one one thousandth of the money that Garrett Cole does. And also, Nestor Cortez has had zero wild pitches this year, which shows great control. And Cortez is the one that has that your 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 dad's mustache, <laughs> even though he's only 27 years old. He has that dad mustache going on because, as we all know, facial hair and testosterone is forbidden on the New York Yankees. Cortez had to suspend or deactivate his Twitter account back in May because people found that he tweeted racial slurs from hip hop songs when he was 17 years old. And he said that the use of the racial slurs were, quote, unacceptable, end quote. And he deactivated his account to delete all whatever the world he had back there or back there in there on his tweet on his Twitter. And court, when it was found out, Cortez told the told reporters, quote, those aren't the messages I want to send out. I deleted my Twitter to clean stuff up. Hopefully I can make a better impact in the world for the people that look up to me to give a better example, end quote. Cortez did something wrong. He also did something wrong when he was 17 years old. Raise your hand if you never did anything stupid when you were 17 years old. It just so happens that this guy pitches for the most famous baseball team in America, in the world, 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 world. I'm not defending. I actually didn't even know. I didn't read any of these tweets. I don't follow him on Twitter. But also, what's wrong with people? That you spend your time digging into celebrities, high profiles, people's social media, and and trying to get trying to get them in that "I got you" moment. What are you What are you doing with your life that you actually have hours and hours to tweet through people's what I'm eating, where I am, etc. But also on the flip side, like Cortez and a lot of us do, why put your thoughts on social media into the world when it's a public forum? 
keep your social medias clean, keep it fun, and don't say dumb stuff. <laughs> That's my unsolicited advice. And like I said, Donaldson has been struggling with his bat. He's been doing well with his glove, but not with the bat. Cortez is having his career year, and he's and Cortez has already exceeded the most innings that he's pitched this year, which is troubling for the upcoming playoffs. It's like, just how long can the Yankees keep rolling Cortez out every five days? Because his arm's going to fall off if he keeps if he keeps pitching. This guy's he's not yet up to pitching two hundred innings a year he's already I think he has like 118 innings already this year way past his previous high right now the Yankees are one and a half games behind the Houston Astros for home field advantage in the American League playoffs and the Yankees have lost 10 of their last 13 games if I was in Gotham City I'd be putting up the bat signal we have an emergency the Yankees have gone into an absolute nosedive I think about a month ago, I said, not just me, everyone was like, the Yankees are going to win 115 games. They're, they may even challenge the all-time record for wins. And now they're certainly going to win 100 games, but it's not going to be 115 games. And they may even not they may not even have the best record in the American League. We still have about seven weeks left, six weeks left in the, in the regular season. But fear not, Batman lovers and New York Yankees lovers, because the New York Yankees, they can put a sleeper hold. I always think of the old WWF back in the 80s and 90s. Of course, now it's called WWE, World World Wrestling Entertainment. It used to be World Wrestling Federation, but I'm going to stick with that. And I don't want a panda to come sue me. The Yankees could put a sleeper hold, like WWF wrestlers, on the American League East Division. This week, the Yankees are playing seven consecutive days, all at home. They're hosting the Tampa Bay Rays, and then they're hosting the Toronto Blue Jays, both in the American League East Division. If the Yankees actually kick butt, take care of business, I told you, the Yankees are already 10 games ahead of the division. Even though there's six weeks left, if they manage to come out this week with a five wins, with five wins, I mean, this division's over. The, the Yankees are going to be popping champagne in three, four weeks. It's, it's, it's over. But we'll see what happens because, like I said, the Yankees have lost. The last two weeks, they haven't been winning at all. And besides Nasty Nestor, which is one of his nicknames, which is the his nickname, by the way. I'm not making fun of him. That, that's a nickname that some guy gave him. Obviously, Aaron Judge, the six foot seven monstrosity, he's having a super healthy year for the first time since 2017. He's chasing the Yankees and American League home run record. His OPS plus is 204. OPS plus average is 100, which is insane. But besides Nasty Nestor... Garrett Cole, Aaron Judge, everyone else is either no good or injured. Step up Gianfranco Stanton. He's injured with an Achilles issue. He hasn't played since the 23rd of July. That's what, three weeks ago? The Yankees lineup is different when they have both Aaron Judge and, Gian- and Giancarlo Stanton. With They have one or the other. They're just a normal lineup. But when Judge is followed by Stanton, that is a scary lineup. But again, Stan's been injured now for three weeks, and he's healing. I don't want to say he's healing. His progress of coming back is get, is just very slow, and that, that's nothing to do with him. He's just a big dude, and everyone's body's different. Then you have their first base, base, first base, first baseman, Anthony Rizzo. He's been out for, I think, a week or so with back issues. They're going to need him come October. And, of course, the revelation for the New York Yankees, 
Matt Carpenter. Also another man with a mustache because, again, say it with me, folks. Facial hair and testosterone are outlawed in the Bronx. <laughs> He's out. He fouled the ball off his left foot and broke it. Oh, my God. When I heard that, just watching it and listening and hearing it hurts. So Carpenter broke his foot back on last week or two weeks ago, back on Monday of the 1st of August. Carpenter's had a heck of a season. His OPS plus was 219 again. Average is 100. He hit 15 home runs in only 47 games. And with a broken foot, Matt Carpenter's going to be out for two months. Basically, he's out for the rest of the regular season. But he should be back for the playoffs. But here's the problem. When you're out for two months, normally you're like, you get sent down to double A or triple A. You play there for maybe a week, maybe. And then you come back up to the major league team. Minor league season is over by the end of, by the beginning of September. So there are no minor league games for the Yankees to send Matt Carpenter to get his swing back, to start running around, whatever. So he'll be just thrown, potentially, if he if if they use him this way, Matt Carpenter's going to be thrown straight into the fire when the playoffs come around. The Yankees need Anthony Rizzo back. They need Matt Carpenter. They need a healthy Giancarlo Stanton. And they need to make sure Aaron Judge also stays healthy because, again, we all know he's had basically two healthy seasons his entire career. And is Matt Carpenter going to win comeback player of the year? I think he would have because he's had a really good year. And also he has the advantage of playing for the New York Yankees. But now he's going to miss seven weeks. He's No, not seven weeks. He's going to miss all the two months left of, of, of the regular season. Matt Carpenter's not going to win it. Someone else who may win comeback player of the year for the American League, Johnny Cueto. The veteran 15-year Dominican pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Cueto's a World Series winner back in 2015 with the Kansas City Royals. When I really liked the Chicago White Sox, when I saw that they that the White Sox signed Johnny Cueto, I was like, this is a bad sign because I thought Johnny Cueto was done. Like, this guy should have retired and gone and bought a million acres of farm in the Dominican Republic and just enjoyed all the things that he's done in his life for the past 15 years. It was a sign of desperation, I thought, much like when the White Sox signed Dallas Keuchel back in 2020. Keuchel was good in 2020. He was bad in 2021. And this year, in the pitcher Dallas Keuchel, he's been terrible. The White Sox released him, and now he's in the minor leagues with Texas Rangers. But Johnny Cueto continues to pitch very well. Last year, when he when the Cueto was with the San Francisco Giants, he only started 22 games. But only? That was the most games he started since 2017. And his ERA plus has been below to barely average. His ERA plus in 2019 was 84. His ERA plus in 2020 was 79. His ERA plus in 2021 was 101. Again, 100 is average. This guy, Cueto, has been below average year after year after year. But wait, this guy's going potentially going to be comeback player of the year for the American League because in 2022, his ERA plus is 137. He's pitched the most innings that he's had since 2017. I mean, this guy's turning back the clock. He's having an Indian summer. Or if you're a British, you would say he's having a Roman spring. This guy's not a young... <laughs> He's not a spring chicken. And outside of Dylan Cease, who's been the White Sox' best pitcher 
and Dylan Cease is a serious contender for the Cy Young in the American League, Johnny, I, I wonder, as much as the Chicago White Sox have been struggling this year in the American League Central Division, where would the where would the White Sox be without Johnny Cueto? And again, this guy's a veteran. He's a winner. And just last, just a few days ago, when the White Sox lost to the Kansas City Royals back on Thursday, the 11th of August, Cueto said, quote, we need to fight. We need to show the fire that we have, if we have any, end quote. And of course, my favorite manager, Tony La Russa. <laughs> completely sarcastic. I'm going to have another drink. Hold on. When some of the reporters told him about Johnny Cueto's re- remarks, Tony La Russa said, quote, He's a veteran. We all respect him, and he's someone to listen to. But it's surprising. Usually, that's better said in the clubhouse in front of your teammates, end quote. So why is Johnny Cueto saying this to the public and, and not only his teammates? The White Sox are struggling. They are underperforming. And by the way, if you want to hear more about the White Sox, go back and listen to episode 70 when we had this uh, special guest, Sean Anderson, from the CHGO White Sox podcast. I love those guys. Check them out. Sean Anderson, Sean Anderson, CHGO White Sox podcast, episode 70. Uh, my episode 70, by the way. The White Sox are in third place in the American League Central Division. 58 wins, 56 losses, super average. They're two and a half games behind the Cleveland Guardians. They're two games out of the world, uh, the wild card spot in the American League. Their run differential is negative 16. This team, the White Sox, was one of the preseason favorites to go to the playoffs, to go to the playoffs, to go to the World Series. And here we are, very disappointing. And this weekend. This upcoming weekend is a very important three-game series with the division-leading Cleveland Guardians. The White Sox are going to Cleveland on Friday. They're going to play their Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Who knows what's going to happen? And maybe the Guardians put a little sleeper hold, a little Jake the Snake. Who did the sleeper hold? I don't even know, but we'll find out later. A little sleeper hold on the White Sox, and maybe Tony La Russa is no longer there next year. I don't know. But at the same time, Tony La Russa is BFFs with Jerry Reinsdorf, who is a very interesting character, very interesting owner of the Chicago White Sox. And another team who's going to have to go into the playoffs winning a wild card spot, the San Diego Padres. And the return of the king, Juan Soto. Obviously, Juan Soto is now with the San Diego Padres. I just had another drink of the Dunkelweizen Ale. The Washington Nationals traded right left fielder Juan Soto to the San Diego Padres. And the San Diego Padres played in Washington, D.C. this past weekend. So it was an informal, impromptu way of, of the Washington fans to say goodbye to Juan Soto. And you know what? Friday night, I would say about 60% of the people in the stands cheered for Juan Soto. And about 40% of these fools were booing him. What the heck is wrong with you? Why would you boo Juan Soto? Juan Soto didn't choose. He didn't dem- He didn't tell the, the Lerner family, which owns the Washington Nationals, hey, you fools. He didn't tell Mike Rizzo, who's the general manager of the Washington Nationals. He's like, hey, dummy, I need to get the heck out of Washington. No, he never said that. And I'm really disappointed in some of these Washington fans. Nevertheless, more people cheered for him than booed him. And at his first at-bat Friday night, he took his batting hat off batting he took his hat off and waved to the crowd as a thank you 
Because again, Juan Soto won the World Series with his Washington Nationals team three years ago, less than three years ago. And the learners and Mike Rizzo just went ahead and just tore the whole dang thing down. Very disappointing for baseball in the Washington, D.C. area and Washington Nationals fans as well. But I want to talk about one of Juan Soto's newest teammates, the 23-year-old shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr. As we all know by now, Tatis Jr. has been suspended for 80 games because he took something called Clostable, which is apparently is a performance-enhancing performance drug for ringworm. I'm, I just scratched my head when I read that and when I heard about that. I'm like, ringworm? You live in San Diego. Why in the world do you have ringworm? Where the heck were you that you have a ringworm? But you know what? I think that Fernando Tatis Jr.'s suspension may just put a sleeper hold on the San Diego Padres season. By the way, the HBP bullpen, as always, on top of it in great research, they're telling me that the sleeper hold in wrestling back in the 80s, 90s, and whatever, I'm thinking about Roddy Rowdy Piper and Brutus the Barber Beefcake were the ones that were putting other guys in sleeper holds <laughs> to take people out. And Fernando Tatis Jr.'s ridiculous excuse for taking some performance enhancing drug that I've never heard of. But who cares what who cares what I think because I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. And when you think about it, Fernando Tatis Jr. signed back in February of 2021 a 14-year $310 million contract. Tatis Jr. played 130 games in 2021. He's played zero, and he will play zero games in 2022. He's been, Tatis Jr. has been in the major league since 2019. So that's four years. He's played a grand total of 273 games. We know that the major league baseball season is 162 games long. But in four seasons, he's played 273 games. And the only season he's even come close to playing all games was in 2020 when it was the COVID when it was the COVID striked uh, COVID shortened season. And in 2021 last year, when he played 130 games, he dislocated his shoulder four times, which means maybe even as soon as next year when he comes back, probably sometime in the spring, the Padres are going to have to change his position to maybe second base, maybe somewhere in the outfield. But now the outfield is pretty set. They have Juan, Juan Soto, etc. Obviously, they're not going to just drop Fernando Tatis Jr. But his durability, he had a wrist injury when in this offseason back in the Dominican Republic when he fell off of, of his motorcycle. He did not tell the San Diego Padres about that. He, he had at least four shoulder injuries last year which the San Diego Padres, obviously, training staff knows about. When is the contract talk of, well, maybe we're a little too early to offer him all that money all those years going to start? If you're never around because you're injury prone, if you're never around because you're inadvertently taking performance-enhancing drugs, what's exactly the point of having this shortstop on your team? And everyone was so jacked. And I mean by everyone. I mean San Diego Padres fans of the return of Fernando Tatis Jr., who was going to be up there with uh, Jerickson Profar, Manny, Juan Soto, Manny Machado. That top four of that lineup would have been amazing. And now we're just going to have to wait until probably June of 2023 if that happens. And if Profar, Machado, Soto, and Tatis Jr. all stay healthy in what eight months from now, 
it's very disappointing that this young man, this 23-year-old, 23-year-old, super talented, charismatic, ex- that these that these juniors exactly what baseball needs. And he messed it all up. He didn't stick needles in his butt cheeks, but he did take some kind of performance enhancing drugs. Drug. I'm going to take another delicious drink of this beer. And speaking of disappointing fantasies, I want to talk about the Field of Dreams game that happened last week between the Chicago Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds back on the 11th of August. Number one, Cubs and Reds on Fox. Gross. But I watched it. I'm sure you watched it as well. Look, the Cubs and the Reds, they have a combined 91 wins. The LA Dodgers have 79 wins already by themselves. (laughs) If the Cubs and the Reds were to put their two best their, their their best players on one team, they would barely be better than the, than the LA Dodgers. And I highly doubt they would be better than the LA Dodgers. It's a one-off game in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. This Field of Dreams game. I'm thinking, why not wait to announce who's going to play in the Field of Dreams? Because the Field of Dreams games was announced in the offseason. And they said it was going to be the Cubs and the Reds. But time out. In 2021, the Chicago Cubs record was seven. They only won 71 games and they lost 91. In 2021, the Cincinnati Reds record, they won 83 games and lost 79. The Cincinnati Reds were an average team last year. The Chicago Cubs were not a good team last year. Why would you decide, oh, these are the two teams we want to showcase on prime time to try to hashtag grow the game? I'm, I genuinely cannot find, maybe because the Chicago Cubs have, they are a, a nationally followed team, but they were a bad nationally followed team. You could have said, hey, Dodgers, suit up. We're going to send you and the Braves to, the, to Iowa. Those are two teams with national fan bases. The Reds do not have a national fan base, and they're an average team last year, and this year they're not a good team at all. And it was just weird. They're, everyone was talking about, Oh, it's Field of Dreams. It's based off of the movie. And they were making announcements. And they were trying to make it all romantic and baseball and blah, blah, blah. They were playing Pitbull, Mr. 305, just like Nestor Cortez, from Miami. Right after all of these, like, oh, look how amazing baseball is. (laughs) And they were playing 21st century music. By the way, for those of us who have been asleep for the past 30 years, Field of Dreams is the Kevin Costner movie that was released back in 1989 by Universal Pictures. Field of Dreams was nominated for three Academy Awards. I think the whole concept of Field of Dreams is, again, baseball just looking backwards. Rob Manford, Commissioner of Major League Baseball. Field of Dreams is a movie. It's a fake story. You decided to randomly build a stadium, a very nice stadium, by the way, in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. I mean, is this what we're trying to do to hashtag grow the game? With the children of the corn. <laughs> By the way, for those of you who are super into like horror slasher movies, Children of the Corn is a 1984 film based off of a Stephen King novel. And it was distributed by New World Pictures. And by the way, 20th Century Fox bought New World Pictures in 1997. And imagine if it hadn't been for that bastard, Thomas Edison, there wouldn't have been a 20th Century Fox for Children of the Corn. There wouldn't be 
Universal Studio, Universal Studios, Universal Pictures to distribute Kevin Costner's Field of Dreams and potentially no Field of Dreams game. Now, obviously, they're going to do it every year. Why? Here we are celebrating a fake, a movie based on a fake story taking place from players that played in the 1910s and 1920s when there were no black players in Major League Baseball. There were no Hispanic players in Major League Baseball. There were no Asian players in Major League Baseball. Why are we celebrating that era? That's not to say that they were not great players because you can only play against who's in front of you. I am not disparaging the name of Shoeless Joe Jackson. But again, why are we celebrating that era when we could celebrating the future? Again, if we want to hashtag grow the game, why not look forward? We're just like, oh, wasn't that a great time back in 1919 and 1917? Oh, man, that was that was the best time. Really? Was it was 1917 really the best time? World War One fighting Imperial Germany, Imperial Prussia, excuse me, the doughboys, the Americans going out there, the English bleeding their country dry of young men for after three years at war. Why are we celebrating that that era? Why not look forward? Why not play a game, potentially, on an aircraft carrier? Obviously, logistics, is, is you probably can't. But you know what? They play college basketball games on aircraft carriers. Why not do it in an actual functioning minor league stadium instead of a place that you almost cannot go to in, in the middle of Iowa? Why not play a game in places you want to expand to? Major League Baseball wants to expand to Las Vegas. Major League Baseball wants to expand to Nashville, Tennessee. Maybe even Major League Baseball should be playing one or two games or even a series in New Orleans, Louisiana. Personally, I wouldn't want them to play any games in the South because for me, the South is just all Braves country. (laughs) I'm not Southern, as you can tell by my accent, but I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan. And I don't want anyone messing with the Braves kingdom. I do give points to to baseball on the Field of Dreams for being creative. I think it's misplaced creativity, again, on this fake story from Field of Dreams of people playing catch out in the outfield of like, oh my God, the baseball, it's so amazing. Tears, mom and dad, daughter and dad, daughter and son playing catch. It's a fake story. Let's get over it and let's hashtag grow the game. And you know what? Even though Field of Dreams didn't win any Oscars, they didn't win any trophies, any jewelries, but we are always looking to win the heart of Our Lady. Field of Dreams didn't actually win any Oscars, they didn't win any trophies, whatever. But we are always looking to win the heart of Our Lady. And that's where this week's episode sponsor comes in. Links of London, earrings, bracelets, necklace. It's the dog days of summer, guys. You've binged on beers, the beach, and baseball games. Let that special lady in your life know how much you appreciate her with a touch of class from Lynx of London. Splurge on her with something to remind her how much you appreciate her with a gift from Lynx of London. Find all beautiful earrings, bracelets, and necklaces to surprise her and make her happy while you continue to watch the Field of Dreams games. (laughs) I want to thank our show sponsor because without Links of London and other sponsors, I wouldn't be able to enjoy this delicious beer that I'm going to have another drink of. 
And look, guys, and ladies, ladies, this is an equal opportunity podcast. If you don't want to buy your significant other jewelry, whether it's a ring, it's a bracelet, whatever, you can always take your loved ones on a trip. And we can always try to sing, take me out to the ball game in French, in Korean, and in English. Because international Major League Baseball games are coming, are going, we're in the U.S., we're going to Japan, Australia, Mexico, France, England. Did you know that nasty Nestor, Nestor Cortez, Aaron Judge, if he's still with the Yankees next year, Giancarlo Stanton, Garrett Cole, the New York Yankees are going to play the Boston Red Sox in England for the Major League Baseball London Series sometime soon. I don't know when. But what I do know is that next year, the Chicago Cubs, the terrible Chicago Cubs, are going to play the St. Louis Cardinals, two teams with national followings in the U.S., so they're exporting them to England. They're going to play a two-game, the Cubs and the Cardinals are going to play a two-game series in London on the 24th of June and the 25th of June in 2023. And by the way, people, there is nothing in the world more glorious than a British summer. And what I mean this is a caveat here. British summer does not mean between June and August. A British summer, there's only actually two weeks of British summer. And what I mean by two weeks is like there may be two days in the middle of June, four days at the beginning of July, four days at the end of July, one day in August. All of that, you add it up, is two weeks. <laughs> but nevertheless, if you're lucky enough to experience a proper British summer, there's nothing in the world more glorious than a British summer day. I'm telling you from firsthand experience, French kiss, not French kiss, chef's kiss, <laughs> French kiss. Also... South Korea is probably also going to get a game, a major, league, a proper Major League Baseball game in 2024 because that's Major League Baseball's plan to hashtag grow the game. They're going to schedule games in Mexico City, London, San Juan, Puerto Rico, Tokyo, Bahi, Paris between 2023 and 2026. I think that's really exciting. According to Jim Small, who is a senior vice president at Major League Baseball, he said, quote, this is the most ambitious international play plan in league history, end quote. And he also he also went on to explain why they're choosing a very specific amount very specific teams to export to Mexico, France, England, etc. Because he called the the Chicago Cubs, the L.A. Dodgers, the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees, quote, truly global brands, end quote. And you know what I say to that, Mr. Smalls, Mr. Senior Vice President Smalls? Screw you, man. I want the Atlanta Braves to be playing outside of the U.S. How dare you not include the Atlanta Braves? And how dare you also not include? I think it has to do with Major League Baseball worked. They hired very expensive consultants. And those of you in the specific sector know the Boston Consulting Group, BCG. BCG does not like Atlanta. They don't consider them. Because it, because they're in Boston, they're like, yeah, we love the North. All we know is Northeast. All we know is the good young men and women, and not so young men and women over at BCG. They're a bunch of bi-coastal elites. They don't care about Atlanta. They don't care about the Braves. But you know what? I'm going to make sure for this podcast that Mr. Small and rest of Major League Baseball know that the Atlanta Braves should be playing internationally very, very soon. And also be one of BCG's findings to Mr. Small, Senior Vice President Mr. Small, Senior Vice President Small, not anyways, 
was that there's a huge potential for Major League Baseball in South Korea because South Korea has their own baseball league called the Korean Baseball Organization, KBO. And apparently there's talks that the Major League Baseball All-Star game will be played in South Korea between all of Major League Baseball All-Stars versus the KBO All-Stars, which is actually pretty cool. And they're also saying not only we're going to do an All-Star game there in the future, we'll also do exhibition games, which I think is garbage. Make an All-Star game. Put a proper series out there. And obviously here in the U.S., we do, what is it, hot dog and a $27 beer. But in South Korea, at the KBO, fans, the traditional thing that you eat at the KBO game is chicken and beer. That sounds freaking amazing. And I would prefer that over a disgusting hot dog and a $27 beer at your local Major League Baseball stadium. <laughs> so nevertheless, the Yankees and the Red Sox, have both they both raised their hands and they're like, hey, we want to go abroad. We want to go and get it. And specifically... The Yankees and the Red Sox want to go play in Paris, France, Paris, France, in June 2025. I mean, it's very specific. There, I mean, Mr. Small and BCG are very targeted on what they want to do. It's almost like a project management plan. <laughs> because according to Senior Vice President Small, he said that's the best way to expose baseball around the world. But you know what? What I really think it is that the Yankee players and the Yankee front office and the Steinbrenners who the family that owns the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox they're like what's the best way to have our wives actually come to the game by promising them that we're going to Paris <laughs> what what woman wouldn't would turn down the chance to go to Paris and by the way the only thing you have to sacrifice is you have to go to a baseball game with me for 3 hours <laughs> We can we can eat we can manger tous les, les croissants we can eat all the croissants that we want. You can uh, while she's wearing her links of London jewelry, she can then fill up all of her social media because maybe she's a hopeful social media influencer with all the things in Paris. Uh, by the way, people do not eat in the Latin uh, in the Latin Quarter Latin quarters. Excuse me, it's very touristy touristy and the food is. Eh, even though the French, the, mo the, the movie, the food in France is amazing. By the way, get out of Paris. When you go to France, get out of Paris. Spend time in Paris. Paris is an outside museum. It's a living museum. It's beautiful. And I mean this in the best possible way. But go to other places. Go to Lyon, which is actually, Lyon is uh, what, uh, like two hours southeast of Paris. And it is the culinary capital of France. Just like London, the, the, the problems that, we, that they're having in England is, London is so influential that people forget that there are many cities outside of London in England. And speaking of England, Major League Baseball is going to have baseball games there in 2023. Like just like I told you, the Cubs and the Reds, the Cubs and the Cardinals, excuse me, they're already planning for games in 2024 and in 2026. Because why? In 2025, everyone's taking their wives and girlfriends to France. <laughs> The games in London are going to be played at the London Stadium, which was built originally for the 2012 London Olympics. And right now, the London Stadium is home to West Ham Football Club soccer for you unsophisticated people. And that made me think, why does everything always have to be in London? It's the same thing with Paris. Why does everything have to be Paris? Paris is French, but it is not France. France is not Paris. The same thing with London. London is English. London is not England. England is not 
only London. It's not like London and then barbaric forests around. I propose to you, why not hold, hold baseball games in England in Manchester or in Edinburgh? Those are really big cities that could hold baseball games. And they're, you can have direct flights to Edinburgh, to Manchester, and they have cricket clubs. Really big, at least in Manchester they do. Work with the cricket clubs to see if you can actually get a baseball stadium, a baseball baseball field, baseball diamond there. Uh, obviously, the Dunkelweizen is hitting me. By the way, speaking of all of, of the English and the French and the South Koreans, why not Germany? Because I'm drinking this German-inspired beer, obviously, from New Jersey. I don't know why Germany. Who knows? Maybe the Germans don't like baseball. That's okay. We still like the Germans, and we love their delicious beers, just like we love the delicious beers from the English and the delicious wine from the French and the delicious soju from South Korea. These are all the things that we as baseball fans are going to enjoy when we go follow our favorite team when they play in South Korea, in France, in London, in England, in Mexico City, tequila, agave. And speaking of international people, I always, I always love thanking new listeners because this week I want to thank a new listener, new listeners from Sousse, Tunisia. La Bess, which is a... Tunisian way of saying hello. I love uh, bienvenue uh, to our new listener in Tunisia. By the way, they obviously speak Arabic in Tunisia, but French is the second language in Tunisia, so that's why I'm saying that. I also want to thank a new listener from Pottstown, Pennsylvania, and Scottsdale, Arizona. I want to thank our new listeners, our loyal listeners, for listening to me when I talk about baseball, drinks, building a northern powerhouse, and everything else under the sun. Subscribe to the podcast, all for the low, low price of free. Check out my drink on Twitter and Instagram. And you know what? Let's get together next week for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.